The Ryan Reese Show from Southern California. This is The Ryan Reese Show. Post your questions using at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Are you ready? Ready. All right, it is going down tonight. I have Mike McIntosh in studio. He's one of the OGs of Calvary Chapel when it started with Chuck Smith. Chuck got 12 guys, and he basically laid their, his hands on them and trained them, discipled them, and they went out. He is personally, um, I love the fact that he's an evangelist, so it's a very special moment to mm. finally get him in studio. I've been trying for a long time, but he travels all over the world, which we're going to hear a little bit about that later on in the show. But um, he's going to tell his testimony tonight about growing up uh, back in the 60s and 70s and be a part of that whole revolution that was happening with the Jesus People movement. So tune in, buckle your seatbelt, because this story is going to be radical. Every time I hear it, I'm always blown away on what happened and the power of God in his life. So, Mike, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having the show to be on. I appreciate it. Yes, yeah, so, you know, I've heard your story several times, and, you know, since I got saved and gave my life to Jesus about 12 years ago, you know, you guys, are, I've read the, I read the Harvest book with all your guys' stories in there. There were several of your guys' stories in there. And I remember that was actually the first book I read once I gave my life back to God. Mm. And I was literally so blown away on how radical all those stories were, you know, because just growing up in the church and with my dad being a pastor, I just kind of took it for granted. Like I knew everyone and, and I'd see everyone around, but I never really dug into the stories of how God really got a hold of your mm. guys' life. And uh, so what I've been trying to do is bringing back a lot of the OG pastors, you know, the original guys to come and share what happened with them and how this whole thing started and how God's been using you because, you know, your story doesn't get old and it's so relevant even to what's going on right now in culture. So that's why mm. it was so important for me to have you here Thanks. in studio. Thank you. You know, Revelation uh, chapter 12 says that the saints, meaning believers, mm. overcome the devil by three things. And um, I was fighting with the devil before I ever met the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I know he thought I was one of his sons and I should go to hell with him, but it didn't happen that way, thank God. And those three things are pretty simple. So maybe there's somebody in your audience that just wants to know how they can get away from the devil. Because you saw him. He's, he can be a pretty scary, mean dude. Yeah. So uh, those three things are simple. Number one, the blood of the lamb. That's what the angel said. The saints overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb. Mm -hmm. Number two, by the word of their testimony. And number three, that they love not their lives unto death. So whenever I'm in a big struggle, and I realize this is a spiritual struggle, mm -hmm. okay, number one, uh, the blood of the lamb. Jesus shed his blood to set all of us free. Mm -hmm. Even if we're not believers, the freedom is there if we want to take it by receiving it. Secondly, um, the uh, word testimony. And it dawned on me, because I've had the honor of sharing it around the world in uh, large venues and small venues, one-on-one -on -one with people in death row. Uh, and it's hard for people to believe if they had any semblance of a life like you or I have had, mm -hmm. um, being rowdy, that God could still love and still forgive. And I was always looking for peace, didn't have a good family background, didn't have a dad. Uh, and I was looking for love, 
And those were two of the first things I found was peace and love when I actually was born again and asked Jesus verbally come into my life. And then the third thing was truth. I was because I was in a foster home and, and there wasn't a lot of truth there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I grew up realizing on the streets as a teenager, uh, don't believe everything you see or hear. So those are the things that really bless us. You tell your testimony, and if the devil's working in that person's life or people listening to you, mm-hmm. it destroys his work. Mm-hmm. It overcomes his work, no matter if that person uh, is from a different nation or color skin. Mm-hmm. Your story, my story, everyone's story mm-hmm. destroys the devil's lies. So the third thing, love not their lives unto death. Now, that's a difficult one because... Uh, we love ourselves. Yeah. We've known ourselves longer than we've known anybody else. And we know when we're lying to ourselves, we know it's right, we know it's wrong. So I was always searching, and uh, it took the Lord's patience, because I should have died many times, many times. And, yeah. and not friendly heart attack deaths, or yeah. I fell off a, a bridge. Wow. I tried to jump off a couple, but I never fell off in an accident. <laughs> Well, so, hey, I, so I, I want to encourage everyone that no matter who you are mm-hmm. or how bad, that can all be erased in a nanosecond. You know, there's one thing that I want to point out because you're an evangelist. And, you know, a lot of people go, you know, I don't know how to share my faith. Mm. You know, uh, maybe, maybe they feel like they can't remember all the verses or they haven't been through the Bible or they haven't been to Bible school or seminary or whatever. And I always tell people that it's the testimony. Like you're, how you got saved that's your story mm-hmm. and that shows the power of God from whatever background you come that's the that's the true story and you just need to share that and that literally can lead people to the Lord you don't you don't have to drop all these verses you don't have to go to Bible college you have your testimony of how you got saved it's that simple and it could seem to some people pretty mundane no, nothing exciting yeah so yeah. they're not going to tell it but that's not true because there's a lot of mundane, not exciting people <laughs> that need to know that God accepts mundane, not exciting people. So Dif- that God I- and different people's testimonies yes. um, impact different people. Like my wife is, she's like the opposite of me. So my story is like totally like bizarre to her. But then someone else's testimony that's more mellow, conservative, right. that testimony hits her. Yeah. You know? So it's like a salt shaker. We're the salt of the earth. And, uh, a salt shaker has little holes mm-hmm. that'll be just a little bit bigger than the grain of salt. And so you shake the salt shaker around. But how many people would have a salad and come to your house and I'd say, hey, uh, Ryan, could you get me some salt for my salad? And you go into the garage and bring out a salt block that you use when you go deer hunting and put out for the deer. And so I take that big block of salt, and this is what the church is to many people, is this big block of salt. I think, well... What do I do? Rub it back and forth on the lettuce? Do I get my fork and hit it? Do I chip it off? What do I do? But if it's in a salt shaker, I shake it, right. and it not only gets the top leaves, but it finds its way into the nooks and the crannies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we are that salt. But Jesus said, what good is the salt if it loses its savor? It's good for nothing but to be cast down, trodden under the foot of men. And I came to Jesus kind of late. I was 26. Uh, emotionally, I might have been six, but I was physically a 26-year-old man. Right, right. Good health, good athlete. Um, and he knew that I was somebody that it was going to take something to get my attention. Yeah. 
like in in your case too. Mm -hmm. And um, then I realize now that I'm saved and all my nightmares are gone, and literally, and um, all the people I hurt and bad things Mm -hmm. I did uh, offensively and otherwise, uh, I'm not guilty anymore. I don't think about them. I don't dwell on them. If they do come, Mm -hmm. I just say, thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's all we have to do. So uh, we are needed as a we're a body, mm-hmm. and our body has most bodies have ten fingers, ten toes, a nose, a couple of ears, right. um, and each one has its own position. And that's how it is being a Christian. Truly, mm-hmm. is that we have gifts from Romans twelve, First mm-hmm. Corinthians twelve. Mm-hmm. Everyone's given some type of a gift. Mm-hmm. Many get more than one gift, and that gift is needed. I heard of a missionary that was 27, 8 years in the African, uh, excuse me, the Arabic Saharan Desert. Never, ever witnessed anybody. But he was there, and he had his little tent, and talked to people. He was a medical guy, and so he helped uh, nomads. And one day, as he was getting ready to leave after 28 years, whatever it was, he is in a, a jeep, and he sees a man. He had fallen off a camel. And had he not shown up at that instant, that man would have died. But he used his medical skills and put him back together, got him in the Jeep, drove him whatever distance into a hospital. Mm -hmm. But he realized I was there for 27 years doing nothing and complaining the whole time. Dang. And it was my last day that I got to lead somebody to the Lord. And that was it. That was it. For that moment. That was it. Yeah, that was his mission. So, okay, so you grew up in the... 60s and yeah. 70s so because i want to go back to like how it all began with you because you have this crazy story but also culture was very crazy at during this time yeah it was uh busting loose um and well mine goes back to the covered wagons i had a covered wagon and i'd go riding around the hills with it. <laughs> um it makes me feel so old um but uh, um, I was in a class of 62 graduating. Mm-hmm. So we are and were at the time the largest in the history of the world's age group. Our generation that's now dying off, we're the number one dying off. And, and, what, and what is that age group for uh, the that, listeners? They're not the, uh, they're, they were called the war babies. We were born 1943 to 1949, I think. Okay. Because uh, sailors and Marines and husbands came home from a battle, went back, and the wife got pregnant. And so there's this huge growth. Got it. So um, what we're seeing now is a great transfer of wealth in America Mm -hmm. uh, because of this. My parents have all gone. Now I'm going to be going. And and we're watching this at the same time the government is changing. The vision for America is changing. Traders are in the side inside uh, tearing it apart a mm-hmm. uh, whole generation that grew up without knowing Jesus not knowing you could pray not knowing about God mm-hmm. a generation that uh, you know I, I feel that scripture uh, Romans no the one rather in uh, Revelation 13 where it says woe to the inhabitants of the earth why do you say woe and the next word is because and because is a rabbi term that's telling the student this will be on the test Friday so you should get at least one question right. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you the, because. And why should the inhabitants of the earth uh, be alert and worried? Woe to you. Because Satan, the old dragon, the serpent of old, is cast down, and he's full of wrath. 
because he knows his time is short. Mm -hmm. Here you and I are growing up with a Mickey Mouse watch on our wrist and clocks in our classrooms and by our bed and wristwatches. Time, time, time. He's been in eternity. Now you and I that are made out of dust are going to eternity forever to be with God. And he's coming to earth to suffer for time unending. Mm -hmm. So I think it's one of the reasons we see a challenge about the homosexual movement. Mm -hmm. And it is a movement. It was designed. It just isn't people all of a sudden. It's a specific generation mm -hmm. that social engineers designed this for, knowing that they're also going to design them and their kids to not having a backbone and not you know, be uh, patriotic not want to be in the military, on and on and on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're watching that now. We're watching... The when did you see all that uh, really develop? That part there, I just saw that in the last two or three years of why it's going on like it's going yeah. on now. Yeah, got it. Yeah. Um, so I have always, since I've been a Christian, as I, I love the Bible and I read it a lot, and mm -hmm. Chuck Smith just made you fall in love with the Bible, um, I began to realize God would speak to me. And then I'd say, okay, God can speak to me and... It's not weird. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as I put myself into the Word, and then as I matured as a Christian, I started seeing things. But then I began praying as He started using me more. Mm -hmm. um, I would pray, I want to know what's going on. Please show me the bigger picture. Right. And over the next few months, I would start thinking differently. And I'd see things. And I'd be reading the Bible, and I'd understand differently. But I'd see things in the world, and I'd know that's a lie. That's these guys are deceiving people. So you're able to judge like what's the the world events to yeah. what you're seeing in the scripture. That's how you're finding the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I f went. To, the big breaker was 2015. Went to northern Iraq, and uh, my part of the team was to help the Yazidi women that were kidnapped, brutalized, and sold as sex slaves mm -hmm. by ISIS. And uh, we, we were surrounded by about four Navy SEALs that were hired by us to be our bodyguards and learned a lot. But I found out from the Kurdish parliament, the general secretary and 10% of the parliament, that uh, they were very angry when we came into the meeting uh, and said, why has America let us down? Why haven't you given us weapons? Why haven't, why, why, why? Hmm. And I found out that America understood ISIS and we're allowing it to happen, at least some people in the White House at that time. Mm -hmm. And I heard it from generals, I heard it from secretary general, I heard it from military, um, and I saw how mad they were. And then I thought, well, I didn't know this. And it wasn't just Yazidi women the news reported. Everybody pretty much heard of these women. When I found out they could use me, I said, I've watched the news, I'll go. Um, it was any boy or girl, five years old. Mm -hmm. It wasn't pretty teenage girls. Yeah, kids. Boys, girls. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And if they were four, they left them alone. And our government knew that. And that really upset me, and I apologize. And I didn't plan this. I had a Muslim man say, I represent thousands of people in the parliament that hate you just because you're an American. That was offensive, but it's understandable. And I had never planned this. I'd never said it before. Mm -hmm. I was at the end of the table of about 30 people at a huge boardroom table, and he stood up at the end there and pointed down where I was. And I said, sir, neither Washington, D.C., nor Hollywood, California, represents the American people. Basically, to know us is to love us. We're good people. Mm -hmm. We're not 
what you see on television yeah. or in the movies. That's how they see our, it. Too. Our daughters are not whores because yeah. they wear thongs to the beach that men can stare at and yeah. all that. It shook him. And then I invited him to come to San Diego, stay in my house and get to know my family. And I'd introduce him to politicians and people down, down there. So um, he's, he's angry. And I saw that anger and I saw the death. And I heard the stories in northern Iraq. And I realized America is going down sooner than I thought. Because how could God turn his back on the people that turn their back on him as a nation? Mm-hmm. What, what year was this? 2015. Okay. okay. So that was during Obama administration? Huh? Yes, sir. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they knew over there, they knew that they were being slighted. But it was when the children, and I debriefed a lot of these women. And one 16-year-old and her 14-year-old girlfriend grew up together. They were born in the same street, grew up. They both kidnapped same time on their street. She had a... Uh, Photogenic, photographic yeah, yeah. mind, mm-hmm. and they were handcuffed and covered up in a trunk. And she told me turn by turn exactly where they took her. And I said, "How do you know that was 12 minutes?" Because as soon as we drove off, I started counting in my head. Oh, and then I smelled the the dairy that was 15 minutes from my house, and I sat 15 minutes in my head. We turned right then. I remember. And then I counted about 18 minutes, and I smelled the, the uh, oil refinery, which was 14 miles the other way. And she, in her mind, drew a map for me. And I went and got a Navy SEAL, and they said, you got to listen to this woman. And I'd spent quite a bit of time with her, and uh, she was trusting me. And when he started talking to her, he was talking as a military interrogator, and she froze. Right. And I said, please, I'm, you're talking to me. I'm the man that's going to help you get all of this horror out of your life. Yeah. He's the man that's going to that house that's going to get her mother and three sisters. Right. And he'll take care of that. So he's asking in a different manner. I'm talking from my heart to your heart. He's talking from his head to your head. To your head yeah. She immediately got it. She was really bright. So long story short, she was in a, they went from two in a trunk to a dozen in a van to 50 in a bus to 500 in a gymnasium. So this is the question. What are they doing? They're just, they're just taking these kids for like sex slaves? Sex slaves and or, or they're, to selling sell, them they're selling them. And selling them and as th- sex slaves. Yes, right. After they use them and some were kept by them. And she told me, well, there are Americans there. I said, where? She said, in that gymnasium. Well, how do you know? Because they were speaking English. I said, could they have been English? Could they have been Irish? Could they have been Australian or New Zealand speaking? No, no. Americans, they were American accent. And I looked underneath my mask, they had me, and I saw the one speaking next to me that had wads in the hands of $100 bills buying children. So the, Americans buying children? Yeah. Wow. That's what I said, too. So I said, okay. So that, my life really changed at that moment. Yeah. I said, whatever you want, Lord, and whatever you want. Um, it's just not fair. Then I'd come back to America, and churches didn't want to hear it. They thought it was a little too rough for them, unfortunately. Yeah, because churches get too, uh, they get too institutionalized and comfortable, and they don't want to hear what's really, what's really going on right. you know, in, in, yeah. in the world. Well, like this man that got killed, uh, 
Floyd, George Floyd, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have you scoot up to the sorry. mic. He, uh, I just found out this morning coming here that uh, he worked for several years in the same bar with the police officer as security men. They knew each other. And he worked in the same bar as a, you know, a guy checking ID and kicking boys out. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the people that worked there that knew them both said they always butted heads. So this story, we're not getting the real yeah. story. Yeah. It's sort of like the coronavirus. How is it that all of a sudden there's a flu going around and the government says, let's give everybody $6 trillion next week? Yeah. And let's track and trace. Yeah. Let's, let's get this the is So um, in the last few years, it's been very close to my heart, is Matthew 24, 4, where Jesus has asked the end of the world, sign of his coming. Mm -hmm. And the first thing he says is, take heed that no man deceives you. Mm -hmm. So for the last five years that I've been traveling and not pastoring any longer, uh, it's what he keeps showing me, is deception, 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 deception. deception. And um, so I, I have to stop sometimes and say, don't show me more, I know too much. Solomon said, with much knowledge comes much sorrow. And sometimes I know mm -hmm. too much for my own good. And uh, then I get new stuff like what's going on, saying, Lord, this is ridiculous. Tell me, okay, open right. me up, but be gentle. <laughs> I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that the world at large is, is, do you think there's an awakening happening at some point? When I say awakening, like they're seeing the, the deception. Do you mm. think like, like the, not only the church, well, some people in the church don't don't even see it. That by the stuff I'm seeing them post, they're like jumping on the the bandwagon with the deception that's yes. being presented. I think you're pastors. I'm seeing that. I'm like, how are these guys? Yeah. If you just go look at where the money's going from this this post of what they're posting right now, the money's going to a certain party that's behind all this other stuff. Yeah. So, do you think from like what you've seen and what you've noticed that people are actually becoming awakened to like going, okay? This is, there's, there's a bigger picture here. This isn't, everything's not what it seems. It's almost like the uh, Wizard of Oz, you know? <laughs> like you open the curtains and you're like, oh my gosh, it's not what it seems. Right. Do you think that that's happening into the, to the, to the non-Christians? Well, speaking from our point of view, yeah. the Americans, mm -hmm. um, which isn't really a worldview, yeah. um, I think some are. Some are. And I think that some... Unfortunately, even friends I've talked to them about have gotten on the political side of things, upset and going to sue the governor. And, you know, we we have our rights as Christians and really we're servants and servants have no rights. And that guy is not probably going to walk the gold paved streets and he needs our understanding more than our condemnation. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's my personal feeling about that. Um, there are people waking up, but here's something I've learned in 50 years hmm. in the pastorate, is that when you fall asleep, sometimes you wake up groggy. Okay. You're awake, and you're walking around, you wait till you get your coffee, and then, yeah, yeah. And then you start waking up. And right. they don't know what to do because they weren't prepared for this. Now, Pastor Chuck Smith mm -hmm. prepared literally a spiritual generation around the world, literally. For and times. Yes. Oh, yeah. Totally. I get dozens totally. every week, if not definitely. It's true. But, but most Christians don't know what to find and where to find it in the Bible. You know, it's funny is right now in K Wave, Chuck's actually teaching through Revelations. <laughs> it's funny. I, right when everything started happening, it's so, because he's just going through the Bible, or whatever, but whatever show, because he has a couple of shows on K Wave. But uh, 
right when the pandemic and all that stuff started, he just started revelations. I'm like, perfect timing. Yeah. You know, that'll be, you know, that'll be a few months for him to get through that whole thing. It would be interesting if he were still here. <laughs> he was a radical. He, I mean, just... You'd be eating it up, yeah. Yeah, he, he would have been interesting. He's the one who got me all onto the uh, the end time stuff. You know, I went to Revelations with him and in depth and then all the other studies and just the whole Bible and just... Yeah, he's always talking about it, and it's so funny because it's so relevant still to this to this date. You know, yes. it was timeless. You know, and as far as waking up, uh, yeah. wake unto righteousness, the Bible says, and sin not. And yet, there are after fifty five fifty years of counseling, lots of Christians are living unrighteous lives. Yeah. Uh, so wake unto righteousness, sin not, and they're living in sin. Mm-hmm. They think it's okay to live with their boyfriend or their girlfriend or to be a homosexual when the Bible says the opposite, complete opposite, and that there's judgment for our errors of judgment, but there's always room for repentance. And so um, you, you see, I see God's grace, Ryan, in a way I'd never seen it before, and it's that even though we, quote-unquote, the body of Christ are asleep, uh, he's still keeping his word that if we have repented of our sins and we've right. accepted Jesus Christ our mm-hmm. Lord, we should be born again. And he's keeping but what's his promise. But what we're missing is all the supernatural events on a daily, hourly basis of walking in the Spirit when you don't fulfill your lust of your flesh. And they've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Okay, I'm going to back up because I want to open this up a little bit more. Yeah. So when we're talking about the church and, and, and people being in sin, it's like, you know, you go back to uh, King Manasseh's reign in Second Chronicles 33. You know, they, if the church was open, the temple was open, but they had astrology. You know, I know Christians that read their horoscopes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got the, the worship of Ashraf and Baal. I mean, people are watching porn. You know, that's 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 the God of Baal, you know, or Ashraf of pornography. Yeah. So it's like all that stuff that was happening way back then, you see it, it's packaged different, but it's here now it's, in the church. But this is why there's no power going to what you just said. There's no, you don't see the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting, working in the church. There's no power. Like you got the message going forth, but there's there's so much sin in the church that there's the, the, the Holy Spirit is being, is being quenched. Yes. Right? Yes. Being quenched. The Spirit's yeah. being quenched. I mean, how can you have the power operating if there's just sin you know, people are living in sin. So when I came to the Lord, it was my birthday pretty much of mm-hmm. 1970. And I've never been the man, same man since. And a week later, I stood up, accepted the Lord, was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Never been the same person ever again. Never. Mm-hmm. And uh, I lost my wife and our two children. And we, she accepted the Lord. Her life was wonderful. Mm-hmm. We now have uh, six kids and 20 grandkids and eight grandkids. Uh, grand, eight grand, great-grandkids. Wow. Yeah. Tribe. The tribe. tribe of Macintosh. That's it. The clan. Yeah. <laughs> my mom was Irish and my father was Scotch and I'm the little soda. Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing. So I think when people wake up, yeah, if they don't wake up into the Word and the uh, cold cup of water, freshness of the Holy Spirit, yeah. They're just going to go about be what the Bible calls a carnal Christian. Carnal Christian. Yeah, yep. fleshly. Their fleshly appetites are still ruling, and fleshly appetites need to die to self. So a carnal Christian, for listeners that don't even know what that means, 
new listeners, what would be a carnal Christian? What, what would that look like in someone's life? Because maybe they're a carnal Christian, they don't even know it. Oh, yeah, that's very, very possible. Uh, I drank. I started drinking at 15. I drank too much. I couldn't drink one beer, but I could drink a six-pack. Yeah. I couldn't really drink a six-pack. I could take on a case. Yeah. So it was just I know that feeling. I was, uh, yeah, a horrible feeling. Um, so a carnal Christian would... the. Uh, carnal mind is at enmity with God. So it would mean that whatever I'm doing is at war or fighting with God. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that went was my love for beer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yet I know, and I don't put people down for drinking Mm -hmm. uh, wine, beer, whatever they're doing. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But my feeling is, and especially for a minister, is that I've been called out in the middle of the night too many times to go to the hospital because somebody's baby or a little two-year-old or five-year-old is dying. Yeah. And for me to walk in with wine on my breath. Not a good look. No. and it, it's <laughs> or not smell. smell. And <laughs> you know what's going to happen. Those Christian people are going to be stumbled, and then they're going to wonder, well, I wonder how much Pastor Mike actually drinks. You don't know. Yeah. Exactly. So avoid all appearance of evil. So a carnal Christian would still have their old habits. They're living with their boyfriend their girlfriend. Mike, I'm going to pause you for one second because we're going to be going to break in a few sure. minutes. Um, you've been tuning in to Mike McIntosh, um, one of the original guys from Calvary Chapel that Chuck put together um, back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to hear more about everything that we're talking about. I do want to lead you guys to the whosoevers.com. We have uh, all the past radio shows there. We have products. Um, if you want to book our tours, we will come uh, to the schools Uh, Bring the gospel to the public schools. We do assemblies, and we've seen thousands of students give their life to the Lord. We will go anywhere in the world. So please contact us, and we will be there in a heartbeat. We will talk to you guys in two minutes right after the break. See you then. More of The Ryan Reese Show coming up. Post your questions at Ryan Reese on his Instagram, Twitter, and or Facebook. To the Ryan Reese Show. Right on. We are back with Mike McIntosh. Mike, how you doing? Good. <laughs> still sitting up and breathing. Exactly. <laughs> I know, man. You guys are doing it. Um, so yeah, right before the break, we were talking about the carnal Christian. Yes. You said that when you got saved, and I want to I want to kind of go into this a little bit more, pick this apart. You were talking about when you got saved, and what people don't know, what you haven't said yet, is that you were part of the hippie movement. This whole era, and you were actually, you took some bad LSD, and it hit you hard at one point, where, what were the effects of this bad trip? Because I want to I want to paint the picture of how radically, and the power of God, how he intervened and completely transformed you. Because hmm. you were like, you, you were like, you were gone after this LSD hit. Uh, well, actually, for close to two years, I thought I was dead. And yet I'm walking around Newport Beach and surfing and... Walking around thinking you were dead, did you feel like? Did you? I think I heard something like you felt like you had a hole in your head or something. Um, I was at a party. I didn't know anybody. A friend dropped me off who had just come back from Vietnam. He's going to pick up his girlfriend and bring a date to me, and yeah. he knew the people, and they were bad people. There were Satan worshippers there, mm-hmm. um, heroin smugglers, and I was given a pill. They said it was LSD, and it was okay, and. Uh, I started losing my vision, my hearing, my sight was wobbling, the hallucinations, the whole thing, you know, yeah. that wasn't good. And uh, 
I said, hey, I need to go to the hospital right now. I think I'm overdosing. And the guy in, owned the house. It was like a, uh, he, like a Charles Manson. He had a cult following mm -hmm. around him. I wasn't that kind of a person, but he had people that followed him. He thought he was somebody. He was loading a pistol on the floor in mm -hmm. the center of the living room. Mm -hmm. um, a guy came over to me, and they took my shirt and shoes and socks, my wallet, and... Um, tied my hands behind my back, and I was like you and your dad. I was a scrapper. I'd never be in a corner. I'd never, ever let anybody take me out without taking one of them out. Right. And when they tied my hands behind my back, then I, I was helpless, really. Yeah. And they put a bag over my head, tied it, shoved me down on the floor, and I thought it was the man with the gun to the side of my head. Right. And I realized from Sunday school days... Uh, I was going to hell. I was going to I, uh, hell came to mind because uh, I knew the concept heaven and hell. Okay. And I realized that I hadn't been living a very clean, decent life. And that where else would I go? Now was this before they fired off the round? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is before. So when you're you have the bag over here, you're laying on the ground, and you're thinking about heaven and hell. Yeah. Wow. And it's pitch black. Yeah. I had written the Maharishi a letter to be at the ashram when the Beatles were there. Uh, when Sandy and I were married, we were initiated um, by a man that the Maharishi lived with for eight years in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so I had access, and I thought, this is a good time to go. Uh, God had a different plan, though. Mm -hmm. So that night, um, I cried out to God. I literally cried out to God and said, I'm going to die. Krishna, Buddha, and some other weirdo. Uh, Maharishi all appeared in this outer darkness and hovering looking and I realized it was demons no way I've yeah. never heard this part and they were cackling ah, and they were inhuman they're demonic of course and they said this is as far as we take man is to death and I said but I've given you all your organization's money and I've read your books and da, 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 da. and they laughed at me and at that and I don't want to over dramatize this um, the Lord appeared, a bright light. They were gone. That wow. was it. Wow. And it was the Jesus from Sunday school on the felt board, the guy with the beard and the lamb on his shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew who he was right away. Mm -hmm. And he said, Michael, you have believed in me, but you've never received me. And I said, oh, God, I know I'm going to hell. If there's any way you could forgive me, please. Now, is this in your mind or are you just talking out loud? It's in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Talking, yeah, 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 talking to him. Yeah, and uh, then something went against my head, and boom, sound of a gun. And what I saw was the whole left side of my face come off and splatter all around. And I thought, oh, I've been shot! I've been shot! And um, I got up, and I could tell by the faces of the guys and girls that were smoking pot or drinking, so they you were took shot. the bag off. Yeah. Uh, they could tell that something had happened. They didn't know that I just flipped out. And uh, I'd gone over the, the yeah, edge. Yeah, over the edge, yeah. yeah. I knew I was going to die, so that was okay. But I had that flashback every night for almost two years. I'd wake up with the gun going off, running out in the street, getting back into my house, and I never had, I actually never had the hope of ever being a normal human being from that time on. I do have a question. So... Did you ever feel like you came down from the LSD 
at some capacity or what was that altered state that you were in for those? Oh, those, it was a long time. Uh, like, what was it like still you were tripping? I mean, I mean, you obviously thought your brain was gone or do you yeah. think it was more of like, you just kind of lost your mind or something. Lost my mind. You just lost your mind. Yeah. And I knew it. And you knew so it. So if you and I were meeting yeah. or I was body surfing uh, and we got talking, you'd disappear on me or the whole beach would disappear and I'd just be standing in the sunlight. I wouldn't even see or feel my own body. That was, uh, so the week after this happened, wow. I turned myself in to a police department mm-hmm. and they took me to the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And um, for 18 months, mm-hmm. 17 months, mm-hmm. the psychologist met with me every week and it took 10 months for him to get me to believe I was alive. Wow. I said, okay, I'm alive, but why do I still think my head's missing or I'm shaving and I disappear in the mirror? And I got talking to him about some things, and, and he said, you're ready for group therapy. You can integrate. I think you can understand people. So that was seven months. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm a cripple the rest of my life. I'll just be a guy that lays on the beach. That's it. And uh, the Lord had a better plan. Yeah. And I went back to school, and I was majoring in music, and I ran into the Christians that the Jesus movement had just happened, uh-huh. started. Uh-huh. And the college was a mile and a half from Calvary Chapel, where Chuck Smith was. Right, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Yeah, and I was running for a student body president. I thought, I'll get involved in politics or just keep myself busy. And um, my brother was in the Communist Party. And the members of the Students for Democratic Society rented rooms for me in a house that I owned. So uh, I understood what the revolution was about and what they were about. Mm -hmm. And the Christians came up one day. When I got up on stage, I asked permission since I was running for an office, I had a right to speak, open air. The dean said, absolutely. And I pointed out all the communists on the stage and the guys in the crowds that I knew. And Professor Shiro from Shapiro from University of Irvine had just given this great Karl Marx speech. And um, I got up and said, you know who this guy is? And I was fearless. And I just told him, you guys, uh, th- these are all bad people. Mm-hmm. Next thing... I'm going to hear you let anybody up here. Jesus Christ is going to walk down uh, Harbor Boulevard and come over here, and he's going to speak. And I thought by saying Jesus Christ, something good would happen. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it meant. but mm-hmm. So uh, when I left the stage and the crowd broke up, four, five, six, seven Christians came up. And I thought they were weird because they had in those days the hippies that were true hippies. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't a hippie hippie. I was in the culture. Uh, I mean, they had Bibles with rabbit fur or leather and paintings and etchings and mm-hmm. a little over the top for me. And they came up and said to me, so, Mike, are you a Christian? And I said, well, of course I'm a Christian. I live in America. And they said, that's all we want to know. And they all walked away. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I thought, that was weird. <laughs> but there's a man who ended up being an executive with Sony. Yeah. And um, Randy Lucio. He would walk up to me, and I didn't know him. Between classes, he, uh, can I talk to you? Yeah, sure. I've got my Bible here, and I don't understand. Could you read this verse? And I wasn't a believer, and I didn't read the Bible. I yeah. said, yeah. My, my eyes aren't working. What does that say? Read it again. He was making you read the Bible? Yeah, I'd be in the lunchroom. He'd walk up to me and say, hey, Mike, it's me, Randy. Yeah, could you read this to me? <laughs> and that went on for four or five months, I think, of him doing that. And then I had a Paul McCartney lookalike. <clears throat> that would sit outside my piano room, and uh, he sounded like Paul McCartney, great uh, guitarist, 
and he had all these cute girls around him. And um, I would say, what is, that guy's, I'm going to go see if I can get some lessons or something. So I'm in there working on my piano. I go out, and I'd listen to him. He's singing about Jesus. And when the girls all left, they said, aren't you embarrassed to be singing about songs about Jesus with all these cute girls around in public? Yeah. He said, well, I love Jesus. I love him more than anything. Well, that's weird. Don't tell people. <laughs> so he invited me to Calvary Costa Mesa. Okay, so now you have all these, all this, the stuff, the, the issues yeah. from the LSD and all this crazy background. It's still going on. So what? Yeah, so yeah. it's still going on. So what? What happened? What was this? So, um, Love Song, the music group. Yeah, came uh, and at that time these elections were going. So I was standing in the free speech area, trying to get votes. Love Song came and sang. On, wait, this is at, at Calvary the college. Oh, this is at the college. Yeah, yeah. and uh, Chuck Gerard gave his testimony. He had taken over 200 LSD trips. Wow. And uh, I said, what? And I listened. I said, I don't think I took more than three. And he's singing perfect harmonies and playing guitar and piano. And how's he doing that? And then he said, I gave my life to Jesus and Tommy here and the whole band. We, we were druggies down Laguna Beach and uh, doing bars and clubs and smoking our pot. He said, and then Jesus came into our life and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so Henry, the singer, guitar player, told me after they saw me, and he walked up and said, you know, they're going to be at Calvary Chapel. And I says, what's Calvary Chapel? He says, right here one mile away. Oh, when? They're going to be here next uh, uh, Wednesday night. Come, 7 o'clock. Oh, okay. So I went. And the music was great. But I sat on the floor in a building for 300 people that there was maybe 500 outside and 500 to 700 inside. Mm-hmm. All college age, high school age, youth. Yeah. I did not want to be seen in a Christian church, but I wanted to hear the music. Right. And so I listened to the music. And then preacher gets up and he's preaching away. Who's preaching? Lonnie Frisbee. Okay. So he looked like a hippie. He was a hippie. He was a hippie. He looked like the Jesus pictures of the bathrobe on and the long hair. I, I've seen some photos. Yeah. So uh, I'm listening to him. I said, well, that's kind of a cool guy. And then he stops. And I had just said to myself, God, do you remember in junior high school, I stood up on that youth meeting and I accepted Jesus? He's asking me to stand up. Will that count? So he's doing the altar call. Yeah, that's what it was, yeah, the altar call. So I'm saying that I'd want to stand up in front of people, be seen in a church. I figured out, I I knew some of the guys from Newport Beach, from surfing and down at the pier. They were dopers. So I said, ah, that's why they carry the big Bibles. Those are empty, and they're full of marijuana. They're just selling drugs there. And look at all these cute girls. The guys are only here to hit on those girls. cute girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I figured it all out. And then he said, stand up. And I said, didn't it count? And then he stopped, and he pointed back and forth over this large crowd. Is there a young man here tonight, young woman that maybe high school, junior high, you went to a meeting, and you accepted Jesus, and you have never walked with him? I said, that's just what I said. Yeah. So I stood up. Then he said, come to room number six over here at Sunday school. I was the oldest guy in the room. I was 26. People were on the floor crying, weeping, hands up in the air, singing, hugging each other. And I wasn't going for any of that. I watched him go around, lay hands on people. And uh, they dropped their knees, some of them, you know. And I said, mm. he came to me and he said, uh, I'm going to lay hands on you. And I stepped back. Hey, I'm, like, I'm going to lay hands I, on you. Don't touch yeah, me. Yeah, I did. I yeah. stepped back and said, you lay a hand on me, you'd be on the floor. Uh-huh. 
And he said, just relax, relax. He drew a picture on a blackboard, and I think this will work over radio. And on the blackboard was a glass. He could draw cartoons really well, like Greg Laurie. Okay. And a water spigot at home in the sink. Uh-huh. And the grass is, glass is laying sideways, so he splashes the water coming out, and he says, you see, water can't get in. It's in the wrong position. Some of you have lived a life on your side the whole time. You've never, ever been open to God. Right. Then you say, oh, I'm going to change, so you're going to change tonight. And you turn the glass, but you turn it upside down. Now he draws the water and races the other, and the water splashing off. Ah. He said, no, you want to be open to God. God has a Holy Spirit, and it's full of power. And this is the power you look through, drugs and sex and everything. Yeah. So now he starts filling it up, and the chalk is filling the glass and filling the glass. And the room is now filling up with something. I don't know what it is, but there's a present that has just come into the room. And I'm thinking, this is kind of a cool present. Uh, feeling what in the world is this and he said but what happens when the Holy Spirit who is here now comes inside of you and flows there's nowhere to go so he drew the water coming out of the glass and now it's splashing all over Mm -hmm. so I said out loud to myself God if you're there this is really weird and a little voice said weird is it you the guy that would go climb mountains in the desert and spend all night in a full pretzel position waiting for a flying saucer to go Saturn or Venus you Yeah, the you, guy that this is weird. Yeah. I was after all those things. I said, okay, they can sing, they can speak in tongues, whatever they want. <sighs> so he laid hands on me, and I fell to the ground. And I lifted my hands up. So wait, was, when he when he laid it, when he prayed for you, you actually fell on the ground. I, I just dropped my knees. Yeah. Hands went up. Yeah. I started good. singing. Um, didn't even know what I was singing. Did you get baptized in tongues? Yes. So I had no, idea, had no idea what that was. Yeah. But the cool thing was all these rioters that we see today. Yeah. So there were four of them at my house. I hopped on a bike I had, and I rode the two miles to my house, came running in, said, you guys, you need to be born again and baptize the Holy Spirit. Jesus is coming back soon. <laughs> and one of the leaders of the Students for Democratic Society said, Mike, why don't you just go to your room? Because uh-huh. they still yeah. thought oh, yeah, it was yeah, 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 crazy, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I had witnessed it. They didn't want to hear it. Yep. So I started buying bumper stickers, Jesus loves you, Jesus is coming. I put them underneath the toilet seat. I put them inside the medicine cabinet. I put them in the refrigerator and the coffee drawers. And everywhere they're open, there was something about Jesus for the next few months. Amazing. So, yeah. So, uh, so okay, so back to what So I lost s- my wife and children. Yeah. And that's when I went to the pit. Because I lost the one person out of all the persons that really loved me. Yeah. And, uh, because, you're, because you're a Christian? Uh, not at the time. Not, oh, not, oh, you lost her before yeah. you became a Christian. Yeah. So how, Just, did God, how did God restore all that? So um, she went back to college to get her teaching degree, and we had two children. Mm-hmm. And um, she called me on my birthday and said, would you like to have cake and ice cream with your children today? And I said, Sure. But I stopped my very first time at Calvary Chapel, went in and knelt down. It was the next week that I got saved. So on my birthday, I actually went in and knelt down and prayed and said, God, I need your help wherever you are. Yeah. So she saw the change when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep, the work of the Holy Spirit. And then I went to Saturday night prayer meeting. And the power of God was just, you could cut it, 350-seat sanctuary, six, 700 people at a prayer meeting. They would bring people that had overdosed on LSD on pallets, literally, and carry him up, and Chuck Smith and the elders would anoint him with oil and lay hands on him. No way. Yeah, and I loved the prayer, and I loved the Bible part, but I didn't understand the gifts and the power. Yeah. 
And I was talking to a boy. He was 20 years old. He had epilepsy. And he said, I'm going to get prayed for. I said, for what? He said, I have epilepsy, and if I don't take my medicine, my right side goes into convulsions. I said, you can do that? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and then I thought, all of this is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I thought, oh, there was a guy that ripped the roof off, and they lowered his friend who was crippled, uh-huh. and Jesus saw his faith. I just saw that boy's faith. So when he finished, I said, the little voice, the Holy Spirit, said, but what about you? Well, mine's psychological. His is physical. Physical. Yeah. I can do that. Yep. So I walked up and said, Chuck Smith and the elders, here's who I am. I know I'm saved, but this side of my face, I think, is missing. And uh, I had a horror, and I told them, bad drug experience. Yeah. I sat down, and obviously they were in their 40s and 50s, so they were older than me, and they, they didn't understand. And, but uh, wasn't there a lot of that kind of crazy stuff happening during yeah, that? I mean, yeah, there was yeah, that night, in fact. Yeah. And so Chuck was just open. Yeah, they were like, yeah, OK, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. LSD, you know, yeah. another one. So I'm sitting there and they lay hands on me. Yeah. And with my eyes closed, I saw electrical charge like a lightning bolt go left to right. And all of a sudden, I just felt completely healed. I had migraines every day for almost two years and every night never slept and always had the gun going off and knowing that I'm crazy yeah and this voice said God has not given you the spirit of fear I was Mr. Paranoia yeah but love and I was always looking for love yeah power I didn't have any power and a sound mind and at the sound mind I was healed I opened my eyes I knew I was healed I knew my mind was back I knew I was me I fell on the floor and wept and wept and said, from this day forward, I'll do anything you ask. Dang. And I've fortunately never gone back on that with him and traveled the world. So if anybody has a son or a daughter or they're strung out, you can damage yourself all the way up to the edge of death and the edge of hell. But his love is so powerful. If you want to be saved and if you want forgiveness, he'll reach down and touch you and he can change you. And make you a good person. And this is coming from Mike McIntosh, a Calvary Chapel pastor from the from the early days when it all started. Taking too much LSD, literally lost his mind. Thought his head was gone, his face. And then God, through the power of the of the Spirit, touches your life, and you get healed. Not only that, you repent, yeah. you give your life to Christ. They lay your hand, their hands on you. You get baptized with the fire and power of the Holy Spirit. You even receive tongues. Um, and then you got prayed for, and then you even got a physical healing. Yeah. So this is just so common. Body, soul, spirit. It might, mind, body, soul, spirit. Yes, that's what God does. I mean, we're seeing this. He's still doing this today. I've, yeah. There's been so many people that, I've, that we've talked to or that we've prayed for that we've seen people get healed. There was a girl here. Uh, she came about... Uh, I don't know, years ago, four years ago, came in, she was hearing voices, she wanted to commit suicide. Anyway, we prayed for her, laid our, laid our hands on her, a group of us. She left, came back years later, and she showed up when I was teaching, and she walked up and said, hey, you prayed for me years ago, I was going to commit huh. suicide. She goes, now I'm a cop in the LAPD. And the story goes on and on. Yeah. I mean, nothing. none of these stories would shock you as you are an evangelist and you travel over and you pray for people and you, you're doing this, but this is what God's doing way back then to what he's doing Today. right now all the way back to the beginning when you know all through the bible you see god doing 
doing these, these miracles. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to go back to what we were talking about right before the break about the Cardinal Christian, because when you're a Cardinal Christian, you, don't, you aren't going to see these kind of things happen. Because you're caught up in in, yeah, in, flesh. in, in flesh, in flesh, mm-hmm. in sin in your life. So you want to see the power of God manifest. You want to see what God can do in your life. But yet, when you're bowing down to sin, there's no, you aren't going to see the power That's operate right. like that. You're hindering the blessings. The blessings. Yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, and you think that I, a year later, was an intern with Chuck Smith and learning how to teach the Bible and praying for people and people getting healed and yeah. on and on and on. And then... Some hippies in San Diego, 10 of them wanted, they heard me speaking at the Maranatha music concerts on Saturday night. Which so Those were rock, outreaches? Yeah, for yeah. outreaches, yeah. Uh, rock and roll guys getting saved. And so um, I helped start that record company. And then they said, we've seen you on Saturday nights at these concerts speaking. Would you come to? I said, listen, I'm really, really busy. I'm not trying to be goofy. So... A neighbor went down and did a Bible study, and he, every Monday had my wife and I lay hands on him at 5 o'clock, and he had five people. It grew to 10. He asked me every week for months. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you 16 weeks, one chapter a week of the Gospel of Mark for those 10 people, but don't ask me again. I'll do it during the summer. And it grew up to uh, 25 people. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. That doesn't sound like a lot of people, but 16 to 25 just in Bible study. Then it grew to 75 people. And I thought, well, Lord, let's do something different. So I brought uh, 150 flyers from my office at Maranoth Music, invited a music group to come. Uh, and, of course, there was never any music like this for Christians until Maranatha was launched. Yes. And so everybody knew of these musicians, and uh, we rented a junior high school auditorium. And those 75 people showed up the next uh, Monday night, but there was another 75 with them. 150 showed up. And by faith, not even knowing what I was doing, I had asked Love Song, the group that was there that led yeah. me to the Lord, if they would come down. And I actually printed up 300 flyers for the next week. And I passed out to the 150. Each of you take two and go. The next week, 300 people were there. That's amazing. One year, there's 1,000 people. Okay. Two years, 2,000 people. Three years, 3,000 people. Five years, there's now 100. 55 churches that have grown out of that, out of that church. 10 people and Incred- hundreds of thousands of people have come to the Lord. It's just, it's like when I tell the story, I think of this and I think, hmm. but then I watch you and I remember, I remember when I was, or you are, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's just that there isn't a human being on this planet that God doesn't love mm-hmm. and he won't help. I've been under the building in Oklahoma City where the bodies were crushed when the bomb went off, helping get some of those little babies out of their bodies out, mm-hmm. kneeling and crying with FBI and U.S. Marshals that were so shattered. I've been at Sandy Hook where they shot up and killed 26 teachers and kids and went to all those funerals and worked with the fire and the police and a high national security clearance at Ground Zero. My clearance allowed me to go anywhere at any time and no individual or organization could impede my forward progress. To, my my mm. thing was a resolution from Congress, and I was one of a team. There was eight of us that were authorized to bring spiritual care at an air disaster, and I happened to be on call 9-11. I'm, I'm going I'm to hold you there because yeah, we, are, go. we have 17 seconds left. 
But listen, can we pick up yeah. where that left off? Because you have so many stories, and this is why I wanted to get you in. Okay, I'll be back. Let's do another show. Yeah. All right, that's Mike McIntosh. I'm going to bring him back. Don't worry. I know a lot of you guys want more, as I do. I will talk to you guys next Saturday night. Peace. This has been The Ryan Reese Show. To connect and find out more about Ryan, click on ryan-reese.com. Check us out next Saturday at 9 p.m. for The Ryan Reese Show.